So I know y'all probably think I'm like way woo woo by now, and maybe I am, but I believe God is in the woo. He's in the wooing, right? That's his business. He's in the wooing business. He loves us. He calls us in. He embraces us in every possible way. And this conversation with Sunil Godsey was so good. I got connected with him through Clubhouse, which I'll talk about um, during the show, but more so importantly around the attraction quality of intuitive thinking, intuitive branding, intuitive relationships, intuitive parenting. I mean, so many topics of conversation. You have to tune into this one. It is deep. It is good. It helps you process your own emotions, your environment, your relationships, your fight or flight, your trauma, your depression. I mean, literally, I'm telling you every component of the conversation in this bit, but you've got to tune in. There's actually an incredible practice that he teaches us at the very end in order to understand and read ourselves better. And so this is so related to my story and intuitive thinking and branding and marketing and relationships and all of that is something that I want to be more mindful of so that I can go on the right path. I can walk the right path way. I can go with where God is leading me. I can stand in purpose on purpose. And so if that's something that meets your spirit, you should tune in and follow Sunil. He is brilliant. All right, y'all chat soon. Oh, tag us, do that thing. You know, all that stuff, subscribe, tag, follow, share. I love you. Thanks. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie-cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, Deep or high, the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Good day. I am so excited for you to be here. You guys, we have an incredible guest that is going to literally blow your mind, not only from his expertise, but his generosity and information. I have heard him speak before through Clubhouse and today through the Fit and Faith podcast. Emil, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to dropping some knowledge bombs and uh, hoping to enlighten some of your listeners, hopefully all of them listening and watching on how to tap into their intuitive capabilities, which is so necessary these days. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I have recently gone through a couple of experiences with people where intuition has been a huge part of it. I often use the word discernment rather than intuition. Um, I would love to hear your your pattern of processing in the two words. Or Are they conflicting? Do you feel like there's a lot of symmetry? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the definition of intuition, it, 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 there's intuition, there's discernment, there's instinct, there's... Um... Uh, self-awareness. I think there's a lot of sort of jargon around what intuition really is. And so the the angle that I kind of came from uh, was really kind of match what I call the art and science of intuition. So there's the art of it. And the best way to describe it is it's like driving a car. And so when you drive a car, uh, from my perspective, you just get in the car, you push a button or turn the, the thing and you hear the engine roar. And that's something called your intuitive signals. And each one of these signals are very unique. 
to each one of us. And I've interviewed now over 1,300 people to get a wide variety of signals. And the uniqueness, I'll give you a couple of examples. One, and there's two types. There's positive signals and negative signals. So the positive signal is the one telling you, yes, this is the right decision. And one CEO has now run two multi-million dollar companies based on an omen that pops up on his right shoulder. No shape, no color, but he's making a business decision. This omen pops up. And he says yes to whatever he's doing. On the other side is the negative intuitive signals. And so these signals are ones that are saying, whoa, you better take a step back. And we'll get into uh, you know, what, what, what informs these signals. But one entrepreneur, actually, he, he, when I was interviewing him, he said, I mean, nobody's really asked him about these signals. And yet every time he talks about the failures that he went through in entrepreneurship, he kept grabbing his left earlobe. And so his left earlobe pulsated with heat every time he was about to make a bad decision. So that's the uniqueness. So what, and this is kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but that's how complex intuition is. And then there's the four types, which we can also get into, which I'd love to educate listeners on. So when we do talk about, you know, self-awareness, intuition, discernment, I, I believe we're all talking about the same thing. I'm just making a lot more formal to say, this is how it functions. This is how you can use it. And it's very unique to each one of us. So, Pay attention to those signals, even if you don't even want to know about the four types. Pay attention to those signals because those signals are based on past learning experience that are telling you what the right decision is to make or not. And if you don't uh, make the right decision, then I love failure because what it's telling you is that you missed a signal. Mm -hmm. So pick up on that signal, put it in your inventory. So the next time that signal comes up, you won't make that. Well, you shouldn't make that decision again. Now it's interesting because I can, I can think through my own personal uh, engine, right? As you're even processing that, I don't get the the red earlobe or anything like that, the heat, but I'm thinking through like that gut feeling that you'll get. Um, And and it's that I shouldn't do this. And how often do you feel like based on experience of whether you want to say success is the word or positive outcome or return on investment, when the person chooses the alternative, right, that they go towards the thing, even though their instincts are telling them not to, does the outcome shift towards positive or it's usually right? Do you have you done any research on that? Yeah. So the outcomes have always been right. And yeah. and it, it, when, it, when people are always talking about the decision, the wrong decision they made, they've generally known what the right decision was. So they were able to predict in that situation. Yeah what the right decision was. So they already know that they made the other decision. Uh, and so they forsake, they, uh, they made the choice not to, uh, to take the right, right decision. But the thing with intuition is that it's always on whether you're failing or not. It's always giving you that beacon uh, mm-hmm. of, of light or a signal, if you will. And so even if you make the right, wrong decisions, even if you're in the worst possible shape ever in your life, and I've had people who have gone to jail for 22 years of murder, who've been kidnapped for over a week and they have uh, been homeless, who were at the verge of taking their own life, they recognize that their intuition was always, always there. And so it's always shining a light. So you can always get back to success. It's just that you have to start trusting it. And what, what happens is most of us don't, realize what our intuitive signals are and just to your point as well like you talk about the gut feeling and the voice uh so what happens is because those two signals are the ones that people talk about the most what i caution folks is in doing their homework and figuring out what the intuitive signals are because let's say your signal let's say you and i are doing this homework on figuring out an inventory of of signals and yours is a gut feeling that's signal number one but for me if i'm lazy 
And I think, ah, yes, you know, my gut feeling signal number one, but it's actually number three. When I make a decision and that gut feeling comes up, if it's signal number three, I've missed signal number one and two. Mm. And that means I've missed two signals, which means I made two bad decisions. And those two bad decisions could be me just stubbing my toe on a wall, or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know. And so I don't want to take that to chance. And so that's why I've taken stock of what my inventory of signals are. And the first, the starting point is to look back at your past experiences, at your good and your bad decisions. What did you feel like in the moment? It's just that simple. Yeah, it's really good. And, you know, I think that element of peace and joy and all of the simple places that people want, like the true sense of self is where everyone wants to be. And yet that success driven, that achievement driven perfectionism, high achieving specifically, um, can leave us in that place of less than. Uh, I did a lot of work last year on emotional intelligence and the EQ component. And interestingly, and I hope you get into this next, is, is that component of relationships. A lot of people think that you know, if you're emotionally intelligent, it's just the knowing of thyself, but you're actually eliminating relationships and environmental influences if you're not taking the EQ3 perspective. So I would love to hear like from you, how has the, not only just the intuition, that personal sense of knowing thyself, how has environment and relationships played into your intuitive learning? Yeah, this is an excellent subway, a segue into the four types of intuition. Cool, and, cool. and the best way that I can describe each of these four types is through a case study of a friend of mine who was a non-believer. So when I started this whole journey of intuitive branding and intuitionology, uh, I wanted to get people's perspectives on the research that I did. And so I reached out to my friend, uh, John Rothschild, uh, who was a CEO um, at that time. And, and this guy was his investment banker and like data, all that stuff drove his world. So I pick up the phone and say, Hey, John, you know, I want to talk to you about intuition. I'm doing this project. And he goes, oh, come on, Sunil. Intuition doesn't exist. What are you talking about? And he said, look, I'll give you an hour. I haven't seen you in a while. Let's just chat about intuition. And then and we'll just catch that. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and then we'll just catch up. We'll have a yeah. latte. So I'm driving down to the boardroom to see him. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, this is going to be so painful. And so I, I set up my camera and, uh, you know, I'm trying to tell him about these, these, the earlobes and I'm telling him about the omen. Uh, and you also have to understand at that time, if somebody was to Google sort of intuition at that time, this is a number of years ago, there was, look, it was things like manifestation and voices from God. And that's, that's fine if you define it that way. But for John, who's an investment banker, that does not fly. And so he was saying, you know what, I really wish I could meet this, this guy who sees omens. I'd love to shake his hand, but. Yeah, it just doesn't like and then he said, listen, Sunil, all the decisions that you make are based on your past learning and experience. And so now this is how we start getting into the four types of intuition I'm educating John on. The first type is called experiential intuition. And we're born with intuition. In fact, research has shown that there's a there's a study that shows that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive capabilities. And so as you age, you, you go through five to 6,000 experiences a day when you're younger, 28 to 35,000 now when you're older. And every single data point goes into the subconscious area of your brain. So if you look at your brain like an iceberg, 90% below water, 10% above water. Every single data point, every single experience goes into your brain, good and bad. Every single piece of learning, both formal and informal, yours and others, is going into this, this subconscious area of your brain. So when you're about to make a decision, your intuition has 
billions and billions and billions of data points to pick from to say, hold on, you made that decision in the past, which worked out in your favor. Here's a positive signal to, to tell you to make that decision. Or you made a similar decision in the past and it really didn't work out. Here's a negative signal to say, whoa, you can't make that decision because, because it didn't work out for you in the past. And so one of the things I was telling John is that sometimes your intuition will have you kind of go against the data. And he goes, Sunil, that's so funny you mentioned that. Uh, and he, so John was in the business of uh, doing running franchises like McDonald's, all those kind of things, you know, Wendy's, Dunkin' Donuts. And so his team would look at a franchise location and rate it on a benchmarking system out of 10. And so they looked at traffic patterns, uh, development in the area and demographics. And so if he would put a franchise location in there, it had to meet a nine out of 10 or higher. And there was this really crappy area of Toronto, Canada, where he said that I think we'd like to put a location here. His team goes through the, the analytics and it's a five and five and a half out of 10. And so now we're getting to the second of the two called situational intuition, which talks about the environment you're bringing up. And so he's looking at this situation in the environment and he says, you know, something was telling me, and now he's saying, perhaps my intuition, I'm not sure, but something's telling me that we needed to put a location there. And he went against his team's benchmarking uh, score and he put a location there. That ended up being something called the beer market in that franchise brand was the most successful under his whole portfolio. And then in John's case, his purpose changed. He no longer wanted to be an investment banker. He actually wanted to run a business. And so what happens when your purpose changes is that you quickly find out who your friends and family are that truly are a foundation for your success. So this goes back to that relationship aspect. And it's also the third of the four called relational intuition. So what your intuition does when these kind of things happen, it is, is, is it starts to filter in those people to come through who truly care about your success. They're not yes people. They will give you constructive criticism, but your intuition knows that they really care for you. And all the people in John's case that were concerned about money, fame, ego, high-end restaurants, private jets, limousines, all of them said, you're nuts. Only one person bothered to ask him why, and that was his wife. And his wife asks, John, why are you doing this? And he simply says, now I'm paraphrasing. This is on video. He says, Sunil, sometimes you can have all the data in the world, but you have to go with your intuition. And I looked at my wife and I said, this just feels right. That's his positive mm. intuitive signal. And the fourth of the four is called creative intuition. That one allows you to make the decision. Uh, and if it's, if it's not so creative, which is like eating a sandwich or turning left at the lights, creative intuition is pretty low. But in John's case, he's turning away a three to $4 million a year career to start with ground zero. And so he does. And so you would also think that John's intuition would say, okay, here's a sex successful business, good cash flows, strong revenues, uh, good balance sheet, take over this company. And, but his intuition says, no, not you, John, I'm going to give you a tiny, almost bankrupt little restaurant. That's where you're going to start. John, uh, John walks into that tiny bankrupt little restaurant that happened to be Eastside Mario's location number one. And over the next 20 years, his intuition turned that into a $2 billion behemoth 
with over a thousand locations before he retired, just before our interview, uh, all because of intuition. And that's when John finally realized, oh my God, I've never realized what the power of intuition was, but I had to explain it through the four types, the signals and his experiences, which was really critical because you can look through my experiences, but it's not as relevant. But when you do it to your experiences, which is backwards looking, you get it. And when you get it, man, oh man, every decision you make after that is going to be the right one. Um, and when it comes to relationships, these are the, the underpinnings of foundation for you when it comes to success. And when I looked at the research with intuition on relationships, your, you, your intuition starts to develop trust in as little as 33 milliseconds. That's how quick. So when you and I came on, we saw within 33 milliseconds, you were trusting me, I was trusting you right away. And it's, it's deep rooted in the, in the brain, in the amygdala, which is the fight or flight area. Uh, and it takes under 14 seconds for your intuition to say, okay, I'm going to exchange time, effort, or money with Sunil because now I trust him. So you're able to trust someone in under 14 seconds. So in your personal life, it's that quick. And in business, even more so that um, you have to develop that trusted relationship with your employees and customers. And when you do that in a genuine way, using your intuition, don't forget intuition is a two-way street. Their intuition is going to say, I trust this company. I trust this management. I'm going to want to work for them. So you get you get some really fiercely loyal uh, employees working for you. And then your customers are going to say, hmm, I love what this company is about. I'm hearing some good things. I love its purpose. And then if you treat the customers well uh, and you deepen that customer journey, they come to you. And so now you've got employees and customers coming to you. And where are they coming from? Your competitors. And if the research is correct, that your intuition uh, develops that trust in under 14 seconds, you start in under 14 seconds, you strip away these resources from your competitors. And guess what they're going to do? They're done. They're finished in under 14 seconds. So that's how you leverage the power of intuition to create relationships uh, in your business, to create a trusted brand, and even in your, in your own personal life. Look at the people that you can count on, that you really, that you truly know care about you. I, I, I'm sure you've met tens of thousands of people as I have. I can, two, two. Yeah, wow. That's it, right? In my it's inner circle. So much, like, to unpack. So yeah, I heard, I explained the EQ3 before. What do you call this methodology of the four? Four pillars uh, I, of intuition? Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just the four, four intuitive types. Intuitive and so, types. Okay. Yeah. And so when you, when you look at what I do with intuitive branding, what I do with int my intuitive branding services yeah. is I, as I, as I take uh, that power of intuition, I use those four yeah. intuitive types along with the signals in areas like leadership, sales, marketing, and HR. And I strengthen the intuition in of the of the the, uh, the resources in those areas. Those teams are there first, and when they understand their intuition, now they understand how the intuition of the customers and their employees work, and then they're they're able to, better able to manage them and be trusted. And again, when you have that trusted relationship, which happens in under fourteen seconds, because that's the time they're going to want to work for you, your competitors are finished. They're completely finished. And I've got a couple of case studies that show that. Um, and in fact, I'll, I'll give you one very, very briefly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was working with a healthcare company and they were struggling $400,000 a year. And I knew one of the co-CEOs and he said, Sunil, we really need some help. And at that time, I was known as a turnaround CEO, uh, turnaround executive at the time. 
uh, I can't come in there. And so the first thing I do is I tell both co-CEOs, you have to let me drive the decisions. Um, and the reason was that I quickly saw there was no trust between the two co-CEOs and anybody else in the business. You can tell by their body language, the way, the tone, uh, some of the way that they they talk to them. So I needed to disengage the, uh, the two co-CEOs from them so that I can inject myself coming in. The first thing I do with a company that has a cash flow problem, increase salaries. And so... It, and this was because they were being underpaid. So what I did is I gave them market value plus an extra 5% to show that there's a bit of trust there. And then I said, okay, how do we fix this company? And I involved them in fixing it. And whatever their ideas were, the strongest ones we implemented. But what happened over time is they found, wow, somebody's finally listening to me. Somebody trusts me for my decisions and they're actually implementing it. This Sunil guy is actually trusting me. And when we developed that solid relationship, what happened after the first year is we actually stabilized the company. And in year two, I was able to go on expansion mode. And so I was able to expand. And th- what happened is all the other employees came in and backfilled the operational stuff because they cared. Um, and we were in the healthcare space. So we were operating, uh, you know, massage therapy, physiotherapy clinics. And a standalone one in Ontario, and I think across, probably across North America, they're probably making... 250,000 to 400,000 revenues. Each one of our clinics was making well north of a million. And and we've had in certain cities, when we came in, within six months, the, the other physiotherapy or allied health services around started folding. And we started getting calls. Can you please take my assets? I can't survive with you guys. And so that's how we eliminated the competition, just by developing that trust within the company. And I, I had left. And the next runway, I gave them a gift of... $10 million for the next year in year three. And so here's that the proof in the pudding. So amazing. It is. And I mean, there's so many things I'm thinking as you're sharing, but also wanting to be fully present with the examples and understanding like processing my husband who has all of this intuition towards investments, like towards Bitcoin before Bitcoin was a conversation towards Tesla before Tesla was a conversation with every single person. And he didn't follow intuition because the guidance of other people who said, no, 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 because they didn't trust because there wasn't that element of like the omen, if you will. And so I'm curious, um, because this conversation often lends itself to faith and business. How do you feel? Because you mentioned it briefly. How do you feel faith and intuition parallel? I'm not sure what your faith system is, but I would love to know when people talk about hearing from God or, Mm -hmm. or feeling like this is a God deposit, a God wink from heaven. not a coincidence, right? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So for me, so whether you define it in terms of voices from God or, and I'm Hindu by the way, but, but however you want to define it, like if I look at John Rothschild and he says it's voices from God, he's like, come on, what are you talking about? Right. Right. Uh, You know, but there are those who are very faith-based. And so if you think these, this it's, it's voices from God, that's absolutely fine. The way that I look at it, because intuition hits the amygdala from a very scientific perspective, there's no capacity for language. So how each, one of us defines it Mm. is very, very, very much uh, how we should. And what I find strongest when we have a faith-based type of definition to it is a couple of things. One is the intuitive signals are these voices from God and they're powerful. And I actually believe that there are, that there are voices from the gods that I pray to in Hinduism, but they do give me messages and, and I follow that. Um, So I have that element in me for my faith. That's, that's, unique to me you know yeah, it's not something yeah. i would share with john right. um, and then the other thing is when you do go to places like church or you mm-hmm. start to pray 
what you start doing in those kind of things is something called an, uh, an intuitive medium where you actually cut out the noise mm. and you just sit there with your thoughts. Mm. And that's when the intuitive thoughts start to flow in. So when you go to church or something church-like, or you're doing something at home, or you're taking the time to meditate or you pray, and you get and you get these voices from God or whoever uh, your faith is, or if you're agnostic, um, you know you call it intuitive signals. To me, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's a it's how you define it that's very important. My thing is to say, okay. If the voices of God tell you, no, don't go yeah. in that direction, yeah. that's your intuitive signal saying, <laughs> right. don't go in that direction. Right, and right. and if, you're, if, if your voices of God tell you yes, and often my interviewees actually talk about voices from God that, yeah. that, that, have, that have driven them yeah. and they've been successful. They've gone from, I had, I've had one, Rachel Peterson, go from, uh, you know, dead broke and addicted to, you know, making, being a seven-figure entrepreneur now because the, her voices from God told her, uh, and showed her that she was on a stage appealing to women with so, on social media, and she followed that, um, oh. and she followed the voices from God, and now she's she's making seven figures now in social media marketing, uh, and there's similar ones like that as well. People who are homeless and voices from God uh, dri- uh, had driven them out. People in jail mm. and tapped into God, told them this is not the path for you. Wow. Uh, you have bigger and better things, and these are people who've been, you know, one was a New York drug addict making five million a year. And he gets out because God told him to. And now he's making half a million, which is fine. But yeah. much, but he's like training other people using workouts that they used to do in the jail. And wow. he's having people in, in New York in parks. I mean, when they were in parks, uh, you know, sure. training them on these sort of jailhouse type of routines that people are paying a membership dues for. So, <laughs> wow. so that's the power when you, when you want to add faith into it. Absolutely. I mean, you yeah. define it the way you want. It's yeah. it's not up for me to define shove a definition about down your throat or your husband's throat. It's how we individually experience intuition that's much more important. I'm just saying, listen to those voices because those voices are always right. So good. I'm curious uh, of Sunil as a little boy, and did you feel like you were tapped into intuition at that point? Was this an evolution concept? Talk to us about your backstory a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I I distinctly remember, I mean, we're all born with intuition. And so the research has shown that. But I remember when I was five years old, there was these video games that I wanted to buy. And I was telling my dad, hey, dad, you know, I'd love these video games. There was something like back then it was like $79.99, which is a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, And so my dad said, no, yeah, they're too expensive. And I distinctly remember I was walking in the woods and this, this, this memory is so burned in my head. I'm walking, staring down at my sneakers and this voice comes in my head says, that says, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And so it was a Saturday. It was a, here's my five, me five-year-old self. Yeah. And I was taking my two and a half year old brother in tow and he was in diapers. Uh, <laughs> and we went door to door and we raised $200 uh, with lots of milk and cookies. And $100 <laughs> went to my dad. And the other hundred dollars went to my school for charity because that was something that was, I felt really good about. Um, And that was my first brush with intuition. But what, what happens is as we age, the, all these other relationships start to affect us. Mm -hmm. And then we have people and societal norms and uh, intentions of of people who are selfish in nature. They really don't care about you want. Uh, They only care what they want for you. And we start to listen to these people and we start to muffle our intuition because we start to live our values through their values. Mm, so their so values true. define ours. Yeah. And so when you, we are living our lives through their values, we ignore our own and our intuition is screaming, saying, whoa, 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 what are you doing? 
Yeah. And I myself, like I, I became the South Asian because I'm a South Asian male, doctor, lawyer, engineer. I became the engineer, even though I was meant to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, wow. and everything I did growing up, it was entrepreneurial nature, whether it's marketing and sales. If I look back, I can I can coin those terms in the activities that I did that where I was successful at. Mm-hmm. But I fell through with the, the the same mantra that every East Indian boy should be going through. And I hated it. I, I, yeah. I, I was three years in engineering. But what was interesting is in the second year of my engineering, my intuition pointed me to an opportunity to be a private investor with a Mexican restaurant chain. And I jumped at that idea. And pretty soon, a year later, I was making five times more in dividends doing that than being an engineer. And so I quit engineering. I never spoke to my dad for a number of years. He stopped talking to me. But that led to a series of entrepreneurial ventures that uh, got me $20 million in revenues. And that's when I started switching to consulting and then eventually coaching and then doing what I do now. Yeah. Wow. And I think, I think you're so right in the vast majority of people who are stuck in the societal pressures of this is what happy should look like, right? This is what joy should look like. This is what wealth should look like. This is what my purpose is. And you mentioned purpose at the very beginning. And I'd love to circle back to that in the understanding that like purpose is aligned with intuition in the sense that if you follow that, it's not going to look like the societal norm. It's not going to look like what everybody else. And as entrepreneurs, we're all a little nutty anyway. So this conversation is totally normal. And everyone who we come into contact with is generally like, why would you do that? Why would you stop that? Why would you risk your entire 401k? Why would you do all these things? Why do you not have health insurance for years on end? What if something happens, right? There's all of these questions that generally speaking can put you into a place of stagnation, uh, quite frankly, or fear. I think fear is, is one of the biggest words that it keeps us in a box rather than us being able to step into our purpose fully. When, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and so there's a couple of things I can address there. Yeah. So one of the things, again, with relationships, uh, when you start to do things that are entrepreneurial in nature or follow your intuition and take these sort of obtuse, seemingly obtuse decisions which are right for you, so many are not going to understand. And that's the, that's the battle that you're going to have to deal with. And this is where you need to be really comfortable because this is your intuition guiding you. And, and I, I, I mean, we've all, I've battled that headwind so much, but to me, it's not a headwind. It's just, I say, okay, if you're not on board, you know, this is the speed of my train. This is the tracks that I'm on. Uh, if you're going to be a supporter, stay on the train. If you're not get off of the next station, if you continue to bother me, I'm going to throw you off, uh, the train myself. And when it comes to fear, you have to remember again that, again, from a scientific perspective, when you, make, you, you use your intuition, you hit the amygdala, it's fight or flight. So you're going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, which is going to be your negative intuitive signal, or you're not, which is a positive intuitive signal. But what you have to do is you have to have the courage to follow that signal, even in the face of fear. Because when you take your life in any new direction, um, fear is going to set in because we all want to be status quo. That's just how we're wired. And so I'll share with you a couple of case studies that really showcase this. Uh, There's a fellow by the name of David Dame who I interviewed, and he has had cerebral palsy all his life, has been in a wheelchair, and he's gone on holidays where he's been on a beach, but he just could, he's like sitting in 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 the beach house, looking at the sand and the water, wondering how the feel of the sand and the and the water is going to go through his toes and one day his intuition goes gets so strong to say you gotta do it like we're here and he says okay i'm gonna do it and he gets his wife and his friends to wheel him right at the edge of the water uh uh, water sand barrier they stand him up and he's his 
toes are caressing that feeling and his biggest fear happens, which is he falls flat in the water on his face. And he said, Sunil, I have two things at that, that I could do at that exact moment. One is I could succumb to that fear and sit back in my wheelchair and forever regret living the dream of being on a beach this far in. Or I could listen to my intuition, which is actually telling me, come on, David, you can take another step. Come on, David, you can take another step. You can do this. And so he gets up and he listens to his intuition, even though he's, he's, he's got this fear running through his body and he takes that one step in the water. Then his intuition says, take another step. And he takes the second step and the third step. And then he says, the water gets up to his chin level. And then he turns around. And he says, when you listen to your intuition and you battle that fear, you keep walking because when you turn around, you'll be, you have no idea how far you've come. And the second case study that I want to share with you is that if you make the decision to succumb to that fear, there's something called opportunity cost. And I'll showcase this through another case study. There's a fellow by the name of Vin Jang. He's actually a very famous international magician and communicator. And back in 2016, he was speaking on 80 stages around the world, 100,000 people a year, teaching about magic and communication. And everything looked good on the outside. Mercedes Benz, downtown LA apartment, running, you know, with the hobnobs, you know, running shoulders, rubbing shoulders with the right people. And everything looked good on the outside. But inside, he was an absolute wreck. And his intuition said, you got to fix this now. And so he tells his wife, I need to fix this. And he goes away to New Zealand. And he starts putting up on the wall, no cell phone service, just completely isolated. Puts up on the wall these values that he should be living his life through. And he looks at these values and he says, wow, that's what my wife wants. That's what my kid wants. That's what my manager wants. That's what everybody else wants where's Vin? Where am I? And so he takes down these values. He goes through the hard exercise of putting his values on. And so what he was telling me is that what he thought was cathartic, what he thought was going to be freeing was actually haunting because for the first time in his life, he made the decision to be him, to live his life according to his rules. Everything works out. He comes back saying, I'm going to live my life based on what I want. And he falls back in the same old lifestyle. And six months go by and his parents come up from Australia. And his mom pulls him aside and says, there's a, there's a saying in Vietnamese that when you hang around squid, you're going to get some ink on you. And she basically said, you're hanging around a lot of squid. This is not my boy. And that was the intuitive moment, the wake-up call moment that he needed to say, I'm done. And so he sells his Mercedes bands. He gets the minivan, goes to the suburbs. He gets rid of all his so-called friends to live a new life. And he even says, if I don't want to be a speaker anymore, I'm going to quit. If I don't love my wife anymore, I'm going to tell her I don't love her because I want to be true to myself. Now, luckily, he's still with his wife. But yeah. then <laughs> but intuitive in, in, in this, this thing called opportunity cost, what I was explaining to him was that it's not just the six months that he lost ignoring his intuition. It's also the six months that he could have gained by trusting his intuition. And so he actually lost a full year of his life 
And if he's in the business of helping 100,000 people better their lives as a result of what he does, how many people did he leave behind? How many people did he just not help deal with, improve their lives? It's incredibly and powerful. It hit really hard. And he said, I've never, ever looked at it that way. Yeah. That- I always think... In, in hindsight, right, retrospect, and, and it's always 2020, um, his story parallels a lot to mine in a lot of different ways. We all have a story, bits and pieces of ourselves that we keep hidden from the world in worry. Chasing perfectionism instead of progression. Chasing materialism instead of worth. Chasing the hourglass figure instead of health chasing accolades and American dreams instead of wealth. Chasing relationships rather than intimacy. Chasing lies instead of the truth. We stand naked and afraid, unknown and covered in shame. But I refuse to let Pandora's box let us stay stifled and lame. Destined to live a life of freedom, integrity, and love. Unshackled and beautiful, worthy and known from above. His promises are in the rainbow. Past the storm or in it, we stand secure. Not alone, together, women, we endure. Um, and, and as you were speaking, I was wondering with your understanding of intuition, what is the connection to like trauma or depression or suicide? Have you looked into like the mental health realm of intuition? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to mental health and terms of like trauma, suicide, addiction, any of these, what happens when we go through those is that your brain is so jarred. Uh, and what it does is it traps those emotions way back in those. And the only way to get rid of uh, that kind of things, that stuff to move on is to actually deal with the situation. And I use things, some, I use hypnotherapy to take some of my clients through that trauma, especially with, with the entrepreneurs, because a lot of the, the business decisions that they made, the bad ones are based on trauma in their childhood. They just have not put that together until we have a hypnotherapy session and we realize the effect of their parents or something that happened has on the way that they make their decisions or the way they, they treat people in the business is because of that, that parallel. And so you can absolutely go through those experiences, but you have to release the emotional uh, sort of cork in there. And once you emotionally deal with it through things like hypnotherapy or, or therapy or a psychologist or however you want to deal with it, then it become you deal with it. And then it, then you're able to to move on and make better decisions. Um, and it, it, one of the, the uh, people I interviewed, Kirsten Hathcock, was someone who I interviewed. So she was on Shark Tank. She actually got an, an investment from Robert Herjavec, which ended up falling through. But what she didn't realize is that she was sexually abused by her uncle when she was younger. And she was able to actually see dead kids. She was on Facebook. And all these boys and girls who had passed had started coming up. And then she was like freaked out. And so then she basically, they gave her uh, the evidence. They took her back to that time. And then she started remembering about being abused when she was five. And when she dealt with that, 
her life was able to go on and she was able to make better business decisions. Her mod mom furniture got a license with one of the, one of the largest uh, international companies. She's written a book. She's been on TEDx stage. And so when she released that trauma, it's almost slingshot everything else that she did moving forward. Um, and so that's the effect that you have to deal with through people like myself or therapists or whoever that you need to, who you trust to help you through that process. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And it parallels to my story. So I'm like, yes, yes, yes. You got to go back and and understand those rooted systems because I feel like the addictions and the coping mechanisms and the, the opposite, I won't say negative or the, the, yeah, I mean, technically the wrong choice patterns, right. End up being so habitual and you don't even give yourself space to have that free thought or that intuition, like tapping into it. Um, it's almost like that rat wheel of this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again. And it's the, that's the definition of insanity, right? Hitting your head yeah. against the same wall and expecting something different and not understanding at my same trauma around sexual abuse for my own story. And so it was like, I didn't even know. And people have asked me who don't really understand mental health or like therapy in that regard. Like, how's that possible? How could you not know? And it's just it's such a suppression mechanism that we use to survive. Um, almost goes back to that fight or flight experience of just, I'm going to protect, protect, protect. And then to the point where I wasn't living out of authenticity, integrity, or intuition. (laughs) And so um, it's very interesting. And I feel like so powerful because I think as creatives, as entrepreneurs, um, as business leaders, whether or not that's in the entrepreneurial realm or not, even just team leaders, execs, and all of that, we are guiding and connected to so many other humans. And it's a, it's a social responsibility to be connected to our intuition and think about it. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and everybody I've talked to who's gone through those traumatic, and I'm sorry you had to go through that. But what's really interesting is that they recognize that intuition was always there, even though muffled. Mm-hmm. When I take them back every single 100% of the time, when I take them back to those, whatever they were facing, they absolutely knew what the right decision was. Is that It's just that they made that choice. They weren't strong enough to make the right yeah. choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so again, they numbed the pain and in some cases like yours or Kirsten, they just, it, they just completely forgot about it, uh, but it was still buried there and it's deep in, in the, the it, it's in the neurons, right? It's Absolutely. in you. You oh, just yeah. have to release it. Once you release it, it's like, Oh, yeah. and what's really interesting from an, again, from a neurological perspective is even though you go through that shock, it, it, it could be even a shock and awe. Your brain, when it comes to research on neuroplasticity, when you have such a shock and awe discovery, um, your neurons actually get shocked enough that they're they're ready and open to say, give me better pathways, Mm -hmm. give me better pathways. And what happens is when we don't listen to our intuition, it comes back to the same pathways, Mm -hmm. which means that we get back into our old habits. But Mm -hmm. we have the opportunity to make a decision in that moment which is exactly where, you know, if you're facing fear, perfect time to make a decision because your, your neurons are saying, give me some new pathway. And then they create the new neural pathways that would get you habituated to really great decision making and the outcomes of that decision making. And, and so- I think it, it really parallels to the question that so many people ask, can people really change? Right. Oh, for sure. I for hear that sure. all the time. Can people actually change? And a lot of people will say no, um, but there's truth and evidence just in the science of what you're understanding or understanding this moment that that's why people can have that shift. And you're like, whoa, like they don't even look the same. They're not even acting the same. They, there's a total different uh, persona. Um, and it's that release and then that shift in um, in their new thought pattern and, and action pattern. 
Absolutely. And, and I mean, my clients are, are ones that, that uh, have wholesome changes, you know, yeah. so I've got people I've actually talked to the people on my podcast have been through hell and back have made yeah. changes based on intuition. So yeah. uh, you, you can absolutely change it. You just have to battle that fear. You have to trust the intuitive signals and don't worry about what people say because that change is meant for you. And if it comes from voices of God saying, make that change, make it because this is the best thing for you. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Yeah. And then if we can just compound positive intuition and keep making those choices, when you look back, there's this whole freedom experience of this is really my life. (laughs) Right. And and hopefully you've had uh, an opportunity to share that with your parents, your dad and and your family. And they see a new component of why you did what you did, um, even though it was not the societal norm. And that's always the hope. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really, it's really about trusting yourself, which is so, so key. And, uh, you know, and if you falter, that's okay. Because like I say, failure is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And you should, you should actually celebrate failure, Mm -hmm. which is actually the, my first book was all about, uh, you know, it's called fail fast, succeed faster. And it was about entrepreneurs who failed, but they learned how to succeed faster. And what I didn't find out, which actually led me to the gut project or the intuition, my second book on intuition was that 80 to 90% of them has started to trust their intuition that got them to succeed. Or when they ignored their intuition, that's why they failed. And I never put two and two together when I wrote my first book until I started speaking on stages and people asking me, Sunil, give me the one thing to make me successful as an entrepreneur. And I, that's when I said, well, I have a 400-page book here. It can't be one thing until I went back to the audio recordings. And I just said, oh, my God, I never picked up on this. And that wow. started my journey into intuition saying, okay, what is this thing that we ignore? And when I look um, at my situation, uh, when I tr- uh, ignore my intuition, we talked about the uh, engineering incident. Uh, there was also another time where I was a management consultant and I was supposed to go to Silicon Valley, but the contract terms started changing. My intuition was saying, don't go. And I ended up going and they never paid me. And so I, I spent every single penny to move down to Silicon Valley. And I came back to Canada with 25 cents in my bank account at mm-hmm. a time when I was about to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps the most devastating of all was when I was in engineering, I was doing personal coaching at the time. And one of my friends reached out to me to say, I need some help right away. Uh, there was somebody who was stalking her. Mm-hmm. And I allowed, again, back to relationships, I allowed some people to tell me to go for beers and just asked her, even though my intuition is saying, meet with her that afternoon, mm-hmm. let's go for beers. Do you mind if we meet a couple of days later? She being the good friend that she did said, absolutely. Uh, and the very next day, that same stalker walked up to her at a bush shelter and put a bullet through her forehead mm. and killed her instantly. And um, so when I reflect on those experiences, mm. now I'm saying, okay, I really need to figure out this thing called intuition mm. because I never want other people to go through that yeah. again. And yeah, that started my my uh, my uh, my journey in intuition uh, and the book Gut and then Intuitionology now and Tudor Branding, where I'm transforming businesses using this trust mechanism. I love that so much. And, and as I read through everything that you teach and was going through your social, which you guys have got to follow, Sunil, um, and, and all of your links are, are, la- are tagged everywhere, is the knowing that this is so powerful in the branding realm, in the marketing realm, in the entrepreneurial setting. Um, One of our guests who's on live with us right now, she asked, what are the four types again? But when you were explaining that story, it was knowing the situational intuition that was taking place, the experiential intuition that was taking place, the relational, and then the creative, right? Correct. There could have been this whole 
number four could have had a whole new storyline to her life had we all been able, herself included, yourself included, to be able to tap into that space because you were doing, you were following your intuition as best you could. But it takes that too, that relational piece of her intuition yeah. as well. That really is a huge piece of it. Yeah. Um, and, and and one of the things that, I mean, those watching and listening uh, can do right now, I mean, what they do is they just get a piece of paper yeah. and, and they map out all four uh, intuitive types, almost like four, I would do six columns yeah. uh, or two pieces of paper, whatever you want. So you've got the four types of intuition and you've got positive and negative signals mm-hmm. and you look at the good decisions you made and you, and you, you take each one of those boxes and said, what part of that decision had to do with my experience, with the people involved, the environment, and the, what was the decision I made. If it was a bad decision, what did it feel like? And it, mm. that's the signal you put in the negative okay. column or a mm. negative intuitive signal. And if it's a good decision, what did you feel like? And the thing with negative signals you have to be careful about, we were talking about earlier with gut, is uh, with you listening to your gut, is yeah. that you have to make sure that the signal that you feel it was that the first signal or the, or the fourth, right? Because your, your intuitive signals actually start very subtle in nature, which Oprah calls a whisper. And as you continue to ignore them, they get louder and louder mm-hmm. until you can't, uh, you can't really ignore them anymore. And I've had someone who was in a, in a bad relationship. She actually heard the words get out. But by that time she was financially devastated mm-hmm. and she ended up booting this guy out, <clears throat> but she had to start from ground zero. And another a uh, friend of mine who I interviewed, he was running a nine-figure company, it, successful, highest ratings uh, on top of the world, managing 200 people. And, he's the, and he knew he needed to quit for some reason. He ignored his intuition. That was kind of rumbling. And then he was in the back of an Uber and he just says, he just hears the words, you're going to quit. You're going to quit. That's it. It just comes out. And it goes to his board and he says, I'm done. Uh, I'm stepping away. Um, and again, he was at the height. There was nothing, there was no indication, uh, but timing couldn't have been better because six months later, the, uh, the crisis happened and his mortgage company psh, went down. Wow. So, <clears throat> and I think, I think a lot of people probably experienced that during COVID or right before COVID. I had so many experiences that happened the three months prior to COVID actually transpiring that shifted my business for such growth in a way that I couldn't have possibly planned. Like people were like, how did you know to pivot? I didn't. I just like I, I just felt it in my spirit and I knew that there was the next right thing. And then it happened to fall into place. Um, and so I think this is really interesting in how it could parallel to so many conversations in healthcare and education um, in parenting. I mean, parenting yes. into <laughs> parenting. That's a whole like brand right there. Um, so I, Excuse me. No, you're totally fine. I think it's amazing. And I'm, I'm really excited to do that practice because I think that that's an area that I could surely grow in. Um, and I would be curious as, as I age if that's something that shifts, like if you get, because of the learning, if your positive and negative intuition responses change or grow, do you think that's a part of it? Yeah, you, you could add. So, I mean, there, there are some signals that you can kind of add to it, but it all yeah. depends when, I guess, when you, you know, if, if you're starting new signals, a lot of times you've kind of ignored them for so long, mm-hmm. but there's always a unique set of signals that you're always born with. And, and, and you kind of grow as, as you, you know, touch the fire, you know, there's yeah. a negative signal there as you make the decisions and you get bullied, there's another signal there. Right. <clears throat> So you just have to uh, what to watch that. And when it comes to parenting, uh, I did want to talk to you about that because there. Uh, I mean, I've got two kids, and both yeah, girls, okay. uh, t- ten and and uh, about to be fifteen. Okay. Um, and so I'll start with the youngest one with a really really funny story because she was obviously I talk about intuition at home, 
And so she goes, so dad, what are these things called signals? Like you have these intuitive signals. What is it? And this was like going back to like when she was six or seven. And so <clears throat> I've asked her, was, was there a time when something was telling you to do something and you actually did it and it turned out to be the right decision? She goes, yeah. And I said, okay, well, tell me that story. And so she says that uh, she was in line to see Santa Claus at the mall and she sits on his lap and he starts asking her, so what's your name? And she goes, dad, his, his, his breath was stinking. <laughs> and so he's, and then she says, my intuition was telling me that I should ask him to eat a candy cane. So I just went to him, Santa, do you want to eat a candy cane with me? He goes, sure. And then they eat a candy cane. And then he asked me my name again and his breath smelled much better. Always trust your intuition. <laughs> But what? But I'll what I'll highlight with my fourteen year old to be fifteen is that uh, she. This is where purpose. We were talking about purpose Mm, being aligned, and when back in two thousand and eighteen in December, we went to India, and she's an artist. She's been painting since she was four, and she saw people with no arms Mm. painting with their mouths and their feet, and she goes, "Oh my god, this is so beautiful, Dad! I need to help these people." And Dad, being Mister Intuitive, said, "Well, your intuition has to tell you." what you need to do. And so we left it at that. And six months later, I remember June of 2019, we were playing board games and my daughter was, <clears throat> she was just staring out just in, in, in the sky, like daydreaming. And then she whips her head around and she says, dad, I'm ready. And I said, ready for what? It's, it's your, it's your turn. And she goes, well, um, I'm ready to, you know, what happened in India, I'm ready to take that forward. And I said, okay, what is that? And so she said, okay, I'm going to paint and I'm going to sell my paintings and I'm going to raise money for those with disabilities. I'm going to have these events where they can come to paint for free. And I said, are you sure? And she goes, yeah. And so the very next day we opened up an official Canadian nonprofit agency. Um, And to date, two years later, she sold over $30,000. We had a pop-up event. She had her first fundraiser. She wanted to raise $2,500. She raised over 5,000. Wow. And uh, yeah, and we, in a three hour event, all her originals were sold in the first hour. And we even had someone from, uh, it was from Scotland on FaceTime looking to buy some of her paintings. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And then she had, a, and then she had a, uh, she actually had a pop up event. And the moment the purpose had come was when she met someone who uh, had, uh, he was, he was in a, he had um, uh, cerebral palsy, Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease, pardon me, Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease. And he called up, my daughter's name is Avni, he says, Avni, come over. And he says, I haven't painted since I was 18. And he was about mid-40s now. And you can tell that his left arm was just shaking. His right arm, sorry, was shaking. And he goes, this is what your event is doing. And he, he puts his brush into the paint and then he's shaking and he puts it on the canvas and his arm stops shaking. Wow. And he goes, this is what your event is doing for me. Thank you so much that's when intuition matches purpose cements it at she and at the ripe young age of 12 years old she's raising thirty thousand dollars she also has her own podcast she does all the back-end editing audio correction color correction so that's what happens when you teach intuition to kids and they take that forward this is this type of stuff that happens when you have that and so i can't even imagine how successful both my girls are going to be, yeah. you know, moving forward. 
I love that so much. And I am going to put into practice. I think it's, it's our intuition awareness that allows their intuition and awareness to flourish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I can, as you're sharing that story, I'm thinking about experiences that I've had with my kids in different scenarios from when they were really, really little as well, where I'm like, how do you know that? Or why would you imagine that? Or where did that come from? And they're always right on the path that they're supposed to be on. And so even as, as little as what they're meant to do, um, it's really, really unique. I'm excited to see where it flourishes and super excited for your daughter's nonprofit because that is such a service to Thank the you. world. Absolutely. <clears throat> so Neil, you've been such a gift. I've learned so much. All of the people who are listening are like, wow, wow. So powerful. So informative. Wow. Thank and you. So I know that there will be people not only taking notes, but contacting you. Um, what is the best way besides obviously your books, which are also linked? Are you on mm-hmm. Instagram the most? Yep. I'm on uh, Sunil Gutsy or Intuitive Branding 101 on Instagram. Um, same thing on Facebook, um, Twitter. I'm at Sunil Gutsy. Uh, LinkedIn at Sunil Gutsy. Um, yeah, there's also. And it Sunil- sounds really difficult <clears throat> to spell, but it's really easy, y'all. So make sure you look at the title of what you're listening to right now. Absolutely. It's a yeah. Really easy name. And I am super grateful to know you, to have heard you in Clubhouse, and now to have this connection um, via podcasting. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a blessed it. day. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you, something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway by snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fit and faith underscore podcast or me personally at Tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.